Welcome to the Faithful and True Podcast. We're excited today to have return guests Elizabeth and Chris Hardesty, together, of course, with our host, Dr. Greg Miller. We are here to uh, bring you part two of our uh, conversation and, and discussion about redemptive separation. Yeah, and just again to reference what we talked about last time, this idea that we do believe that um, there can be separation and it can be healing and redemptive um, as long as it's intentional. And so what we want to talk about today are what, what are some of the components, what are some of the things that we're going to encourage a couple to talk about, engage, kind of what, what they, it's helpful to talk about, maybe some things that they avoid during the separation, and even how that begins to change um, as time progresses. So one of the questions that we often get is kind of this question of time frame. And so if a couple is considering a separation, uh, specifically outside of the house, what, what typically do you all talk about as far as a time frame for that? Yeah, yeah. So, so in the PDF or in the, you know, in the document we have that talks about separation, it, it will explicitly say on you know, 90-day separation. But we're very clear with couples right off the bat. We, in some ways, we feel like that's, you know, you, it's, it's a starting place, but it's somewhat arbitrary. So we'll have a couple, we'll check in every 30 days or so. So we'll set up the separation. We'll talk about that structure today in the, in the podcast. So we'll set up the structure. And then we'll check in every 30 days or so. And we'll go kind of go, what's, what's going well in this, with the framework of the separation, the way we set, set it up. Uh, and, and are there any changes we want to make? And it's also an opportunity for the couple to kind of check in on what they're learning about themselves, the individual growth piece. Then we'll come together, you know, another in another 30 days. So at the 60 day mark and we'll check in again and so forth. But each time we're checking in, we are we are we are kind of a, all four of us are assessing, you know, and especially Elizabeth and I, of course, are assessing, you know, what what do we what what changes do we need to make here? We feel like the separation is this fluid, dynamic thing that you know, really from day one. It it can it it can evolve and change in a way that's that's be- the best fit for the client for the for the couple, mm-hmm. right? So we're so we're doing this periodic thirty day check in, and later on in the PDF, if I'm not mistaken, it will say okay, ninety days is kind of a a benchmark, maybe a starting point. But we've seen separations that can go you know up to two years or so or whatever. It just depends on what's happening with the couple, and like we said in the last. Uh, podcast it 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 also depends on are both people working and and doing their 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 own individual piece of the separation and so uh couples sometimes couples love to get you know they get kind of wrapped around the axle with the 90 days and it's like it becomes this countdown type right. thing that's that's not what we want to do we want to avoid that yeah. right we want to just what we're going to do here is we're going to take this in 30 day increments and we're going to take it one step at a time. And what's true is some logistics can influence the separation. I know I've talked to men who've talked about getting an apartment with a six-month lease mm-hmm. or um, that there are this, this opportunity for this house to be available for this time frame. So we want to acknowledge that especially if there's going to be an out-of-house separation, there may be some logistical details that will help to provide a time frame and we would never want the separation to be driven by those logistics mm-hmm. versus what may ultimately be helpful and serve the couple. Mm-hmm. Yes. We talk a lot about with, with couples of, of, of trusting the process here. And, and even if, even if there is a three month lease or a six month lease, we don't have to future trip out that far and know for sure, are we going to be ready to come back together in three months and six months? But just talking about 
we have choices and we can continue every month to reassess and, and to make different choices. If the couple's not ready, we'll, we'll come up with another plan, right? There'll be another place to move into or we'll figure it out, but to right. not, to not be so concerned about how long is this going to take? Mm-hmm. And we also want to acknowledge that there is a financial piece to the separation, especially mm-hmm. if you are going to need to pay for a, another place. And so we don't want to be naive about that. And we're also going to encourage a couple to figure out what do they need in order to create that safety? Because what's true is they, if they end up divorcing, that's going to result in separate you know, places to live. And if they continue to live under the same environment and they're not quite ready for that, that comes at a cost too. Mm-hmm. So it's important that we're able to talk about the cost of this and do it in a realistic way. Um, I know of situations where a couple will get an apartment or they have a place and they'll actually tag team parenting where one will live in the apartment for a week and the other will come and be with the children. So even as a couple is figuring this out for themselves, if it's going to be an out-of-house separation, Mm -hmm. that they have the freedom, kind of like what you were saying about the time frame, Mm -hmm. they even have the freedom to figure out what's going to work for our family. Yeah, it it has to be the right fit as well. In our own separation, uh, I think I was, it, it took basically three tries for me to find a place that was going to work. You know, so initially I ended up in a, in a, in a vacant home, you know, that some friends of ours had just sold a place and moved to Omaha. And so I was in this vacant home. Well, that wasn't for a variety of reasons that wasn't sustainable. That wasn't going to work. I ended up with some family for, for just a short period of time. And for a variety of reasons that didn't work and ultimately ended up with a colleague. You know, I had a, there was a single uh, colleague who had a two bedroom apartment, extra bedroom. And so we worked out a, a, a scenario where I could come and, and stay in the extra bedroom. And it was just, it was, it was, it was great. It was, like it, it was, I wouldn't say it's great, right? But it was ideal mm-hmm. in terms of, yeah, don't get me wrong here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was great. it was, it was ideal it was in terms of situation. an environment where I could truly do the work I needed to do in order to get back, hmm. you know, get, get, you know, in order to move forward. So and can I, can I just speak to sure. that, that it, it meant so much to me that, um, that Chris met my need to have a separation out of house where even though the first place didn't work out, second place didn't work out, um, he wasn't pushing the door down like, well, I tried, didn't work, so I'm going to come back home. I mean, he was really respectful of this space needs to happen, the separation needs to happen, and I'm going to think outside the box and and figure this out. And so I I just really appreciated um, his effort on that as well. One one thing I want to kind of allude to that you mentioned this idea of living with family. And for a lot of people, especially if family is in the area, that becomes a logical choice. It may even be an economic choice. Again, though, to pay attention, is this family person, this this family that I'm moving in with, are they going to be encouraging? Are they going to be supportive? Are they going to be understanding? Um, are they going to encourage a movement back towards each other? And um, one of the things that we see a lot of times that our family can actually be the strongest voices in exiting the marriage because they just don't want to see us hurt. And kind of the idea is, how do you know you're not going to be hurt again? How do you know he's not going to do this again? And so in an over-caution and maybe in a way to protect, family may actually discourage the marriage from working. And so if you're going to be with family or friends, that you're with people that are going to be supportive, understand what it is that you're working on, Mm -hmm. and really develop a strategy to encourage you in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. And, you know, and the family that I was staying with, it was just too emotionally charged. There was just too much going on there and it just, it just wasn't the right fit. And so it was kind of nice to be, uh, to ultimately, uh, land in a place where there was really, you know, a, a friend, but not, you know, it wasn't, there, there's, there wasn't pressure, you know, there wasn't, he was, he was very encouraging those sorts of things. And so it just, it just made for an environment that was ideal. Well, I know in my own story, Beth and I were separated. And during the separation I had the, it was truly a privilege to live with an older couple um, that we knew and they just provided amazing support. And so it wasn't just a place for me to live, but they really had a calling on their life to nurture um, people. They, They basically had a ministry of hospitality where they had a room in their house and someone was always living in it. And it was just God's provision for me to be there. And in the early days of recovery, they were such a significant part of my recovery team. So I never want to oversimplify and just say, well, God will provide. And I think there's a part of us that can trust that if this is the path forward, that there will be resources that God will provide in some way. It may not be the way that we expected or even maybe that we desired, but there can be the resources that we need to make this happen. Mm-hmm. Um, we also can acknowledge that there are logistics that Im- are involved with an in-house separation. And in some ways that becomes more complicated because you're trying to share the same space. So what might be some of the coaching that you would give to a couple that's trying to navigate the in-house separation? You know, a big piece of the in-house separation is still what we talked about of, of both people having um, physical space, emotional space to, to work and focus on themselves. And, and so I think it does, it does require a little more uh, discussion around some of those logistics of how do we create that space? If they're going to be sharing the same kitchen, if they're going to be sharing the same living areas, what is that going to look like? Just getting really clear on expectations or else it's easy to start bumping into each other or having too much time together. And it gets, it gets pretty messy in terms of being able to detach from each other. Right. Well, and it, it's also that idea of we're sort of separated, but we're not fully separated. And that in-between world can create chaos. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. And so Elizabeth and I were out of house for about four months. And then uh, I think for another 16 months or so, we were, we experienced an in-house separation. And so, uh, you know, we we did we had our again so some of there are it's a it's a fine it's a balance right between what is a, what would be ideal and what's practical or what's feasible you know so for us you know we had the ability to to create another room that would be you know my space you know would be where i would sleep and i would have you know that would be kind of my place and so forth so but we deal with couples where it's just you know they're in a maybe they're in a small apartment or something and it's just just very difficult to do so so we help we try and help them balance that but having your own space um, boundaries around that space you know where the you know the the spouse can't you know it both commit to not just moving into that space or invading that space in some way Mm -hmm. just respecting the space uh, is, is is extremely important and then, like Elizabeth said, just sharing those common spaces can be a challenge as well. When I, I know of couples that would create kind of a, a living space that one of the spouses would use so that they wouldn't be in the public space. So I know of a situation where the spouse took the master bedroom. It was large enough that they could put 
a TV in there and chairs. So they could actually retreat to that area, which felt very good for them. And they could do what they wanted to do without worrying about running into their spouse. Mm -hmm. Because it's the uncertainty a lot of times that can create that lack of Mm -hmm. safety. Mm -hmm. Um, one, One thing I would identify is in the separation that honoring each other's space and boundaries is huge, whether I'm in house or out of house. And one of the the things I was aware of when I moved out of the house, that the house became Beth's house. Mm. And we had a conversation. When I come over to the house, do you want me to come in? Do you want me to ring the doorbell? And what she said was, my preference would be that you would ring the doorbell and wait for me to answer the door. But she said, I think that would be too confusing for the boys. So when you come over, just come in. But I knew that that question was important to me. And I did do parenting in the house while we were separated. But Beth's room was her room. And I never went into that space. In fact, there was a time when um, she needed for me to stay with the boys because she was going to be out of town. And I didn't sleep in what was our bedroom. I slept in another space. And so the more a couple can talk about the, the physical boundaries and get clear about that, then the more I think the couple's going to be set up for this more redemptive possibility. Yeah. And I think you bring up a good point too, Greg, in terms of, I hear you talking about the details. And that was one thing that that Chris and I um, had help with, but that was so helpful to us, was just getting really clear about specifics of what do you expect? What do I expect? What is okay? What isn't okay? Uh, Setting up a schedule even for the week of when is Chris going to be at the house with the kids? When am I going to be at the house with the kids? When is there going to be overlap? Just so we weren't, neither person was surprised or caught off guard or uncomfortable with something. And so the more we could get clear with communication and expectations, logistics, um, I know helped us a lot. Which, interestingly enough, is therapeutic mm-hmm. in itself, right? Having to set up that weekly schedule, and it's, it's imperative. Like, you want to take all of the guesswork off the table. Be very intentional about the separation, about what everything Elizabeth just mentioned. Uh, and so you know, like you're you're interest you're, you're creating you're helping one another create the space and run kind of run the uh, run the, the mechanics of the of the household and of the family and uh, it down the road you look back on that and it's it's like wow we actually did you know there were times when we did a really good job at that you know and that was um, that in and of itself was therapeutic mm-hmm. uh, but it also it it also helps cre- continue to create the space. For the, separ- for the separation to do what it's intended to do and insofar as ensuring that there's, indivi- that there's space, ne- the space necessary to do the individual work that we've talked about. Well, one, one of the things that was true for Beth and I is our home, even when I was out of the house, was still the home of parenting. And so that's why I would be over there as I would be providing a role as a parent. And um, one time, we were talking to the boys about how they experienced the separation. And one of them clearly said what they were aware of is when I was there, Beth was not. Mm -hmm. They also said they noticed that when I entered a room, Beth would leave a room. And so we, we had this very specific, sometimes conscious, unconscious separation that occurred, but we were both able to honor the desire for the space that was needed and allowing that to sometimes develop organically is important but also, as you've identified, to get clear about those conversations. And one of the things that we're going to encourage a couple to do is have administrative conversations. In fact, we're going to ask, for the most part, that they don't talk about their relationship, they don't talk about the future, unless they are in an appointment, especially early on. Because mm-hmm. most of the time, time those will go sideways. Right. 
But they do need to talk about paying the bills right. and the checking account and the kids' schedule mm-hmm. and getting them to the hockey games or whatever. And so, therefore, having administrative meetings to be able to discuss that is a, an important part. And it's it's an, a simple and subtle way that the couple enters into a partnership, yeah. whether they make it or not, whether they divorce or get reengaged in the marriage. They're going to need to know how to work administratively at some point, mm-hmm. especially if there are children. And this is good practice in knowing how to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. For y'all, what what were some of the challenging mm-hmm. conversations or expectations to navigate? I think uh, at times when we would when we would cross paths uh, at home, because we would have these kind of handoff periods where you know you one would one would come, the other would leave, that sort of thing. I'd come over to be in that parenting role that you're talking about. Um, or uh, Elizabeth would come back home and maybe I'd leave for the the, eve, the night to go back and sleep and that sort of thing. Uh, but to really stick to the boundaries of not having emotional conversations, mm-hmm. to not try and to not try and and make a conversation like that happen, and just it, it, it sticking I, that was a real challenge. I felt like mm-hmm. you know it was real it was really because you're especially the more you see the other person growing and and uh, and, and transforming. Because I think inherently you want to come closer to that person, but you, for a time anyway, you know that okay, it's actually working right. in what we're doing, and so, but sticking to that can be a challenge. Mm-hmm. I think another area that potentially could have been really challenging is our three young children. Um, you know, we had two four-year-olds and a three-year-old, something like that mm-hmm. at the time. And yeah. um, It's just a blur. It's a blur. They were little. It was crazy. It was, about it was right. chaos. Yeah. I was going to ask how the kids reacted to yeah. the separation. Yeah. You know, I think that was, I mean, and I, and I hear from a lot, of, a lot of women, a lot of wives, where that's a lot of the fear of we can't separate. We have young kids. And what would we tell the kids? And, you know, how would the kids respond? And so that's part of what we talk through with couples. It's, it's part of this, this PDF and this chapter is what are we going to talk to the kids about? And that was one thing I was really thankful for was having a conversation with Mark and Debbie about that. And, and um, Chris and I being on the same page of, okay, like, let's sit down with them together. And so Chris and I made a plan, even in the midst of the separation of let's sit down with them together. Um, Chris, was the one to to really run that conversation in terms of here's what's going on and um, inappropriate kid appropriate Age language appropriate, right? right we're dealing sure. with very young children right so but, but still but the idea what? is you're including them yeah, yeah. Right. and you're giving them whatever information that they can handle but they're they're not having to guess what's going That's right. on right yeah. was there young ages were there young ages an advantage mm-hmm. or or a disadvantage in having them understand what was going on. Not sure, Randy. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm wondering at, at any age if maybe there's some advantages to that and maybe mm-hmm. some disadvantages to that. I think no matter what age um, your children are, there's, there's still an amount of truth uh, they can take in and they can understand, right? Yeah. And, and there's going to be different levels of sharing depending if they're four or if they're 40. Um, and yet I think, you know, it was just helpful for them to know what's going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. They're, so, they're so intrinsically, they're just, you know, they're focused all about themselves. And so they just wanted to know, where am I going to live? Right. What's going to happen in my world? And and that was a big thing that we we could both agree on mm-hmm. was co-parenting of mm-hmm. you guys are going to stay in this house. You're going to see dad and I both. Um, and yeah, they really seem to, uh, we, we hung a schedule on our fridge every week of when dad's going to be here, when mom's going to be here. And they would look at that schedule. And, um, and I, I just, I found that they seemed pretty peaceful in the midst of a chaotic situation. Yeah. I mean, this was, this was two years for them. 
you know, so mm-hmm. it's from, from beginning to end. I mean, and, and still, even after that, we continued in the recovery for a couple of years, I think. Uh, but kind of this out-of-house and in-house separation was almost two years. And so um, they, we really, I mean, we really tried to kind of include them in the process and help them make sense out right. of what was going on. When you kind of mentioned this conversation with kids, one of the things we would encourage is never promise something that at that moment you can't fulfill. And one of the questions that kids are going to want to know is about the future. And so, you know, if they if they start hearing conversation about separation, they're going to naturally ask if they have the capacity, are y'all getting a divorce? And it it would be this part of us that would want to rush in with an answer of no in order to comfort. But if that's not where we are, it's more important that we're honest. And I remember having those conversations with our boys. Mm-hmm. And what we were able to say is we're not sure what the future is going to be and we're going to work together, and you're not going to be alone. So those things that you can commit to, those things that you can promise, that's what you have conversations with the kids about. Mm -hmm. And then when they ask for that reassurance, basically they're wanting to know, is everything going to be okay? And the answer is, it is going to be okay. It just may not be what we expected. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is, we will be here for you as we try to figure this out. Mm -hmm. And I do think that working with kids, and I like what you said, Elizabeth, that every age has some challenges and some benefits, there is something easier when children are more independent. And, you know, when you have that many young children, all of your energy is going into just meeting their needs and making sure they're being taken care of. Mm -hmm. When you have older kids, they can ask more questions. They may have more space to engage other things. Um, But there are challenges in each of the seasons that a a child is in. Mm -hmm. And you kind of alluded to this, even if your kids are 40, and you and your wife are separating, it's important for them to be involved in what's going on so that they're aware mm-hmm. of what's happening. Yeah. And we've had a podcast about this before, but we absolutely believe that children should be included in the story no matter what their age is. And so I, I've, I've heard stories of, you know, our kids don't live here anymore. They're out of town. We're separating, but we're not going to tell them. And I'm going to really encourage, go ahead and include them mm-hmm. And don't try to protect them from this information. Let them be aware of what's happening. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there, there are, there are, I don't know what, probably eight or nine, you know, factors that we, that we kind of run through or items that we run through in, in creating the framework for the separation. And I think we've hit on quite a few of them. One of them, it's closely related to what the, you know, kind of how do we involve and what do we tell the kids is like what to tell others. Mm Mm-hmm as well. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so we, yeah, we'll, we'll spend a, quite a bit of time with the couple just, and usually there's apprehension around what to tell others, you know, what are others going to think of us or what's, you know, how, how is, uh, you know, what, what are we going to say? And so that's, that's another area that we, mm-hmm. you know, that we work on as well. Well, and, and it's difficult to hide separation in most cases. We may be tempted to try to right. do that, and so there can even allow the chaos of the separation to be an invitation to um, share that information with others. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're wrapping up, but I want to just identify one other thing. I know couples who are in-house separated until family comes, and they don't want their family to know they're in-house separated. And so the husband mm-hmm. will move into the bedroom again in order to make the guest room available. And I understand that logistically, and in certain cases, that may actually be the best thing to do because, again, the family member may not be safe. 
And if possible, this is a great opportunity to communicate. Well, just to let you know, this is where we are. And so uh, allowing people to enter into your reality is part of what an opportunity mm -hmm. like separation can do. It becomes more real, so it makes it possible to include people in that. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I think appropriately so, right? Mm -hmm. Not everyone has to know everything, but we talk to our to our couples, to our clients about about living congruently, about living authentically. Mm -hmm. No more hiding, no more lying, no more covering. And so, to whatever level you need to be truthful, whatever level you need to be to be known, um, do that. And so. Yeah, just just being careful in terms of who needs to know what, but also being honest. Right. When, one final thing, the question of, and when do we move back towards each other? It is about trusting your intuition, mm -hmm. getting professional support, and recognizing maybe the question is, when do I feel safe enough to engage the relationship enough to move back home, mm -hmm. either into the bedroom or back into the house itself? Once again, it's the perfect time to remind everyone that we have made the PDF product Redemptive Separation available for free on the faithfulandtrue.com website. Go to the store and click on e-products and you'll find it there. It's one of the 10 cha chapters in Mark and Debbie Laser's book, Toolkit for Growth. Uh, and so for the month of November, you can order that for at no expense. I'd like to thank Chris and Elizabeth Hardesty again. Great job, guys. Uh, always our pleasure to have you on the podcast. And Greg, uh, as as usual, your position has been secured. Your 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 once we find the right chair for you, we'll uh, we'll, we'll do whatever it takes to keep you happy. Uh, I have been remiss in not thanking Aaron Wellman. Aaron uh, has is our uh, director of social media, but he's also the producer and a cameraman, a light man, and uh, he got me water earlier today, too. So he, he kind of worked. Multi-talented. He multi-talented, wears a lot of hats. Thank you, Aaron. Appreciate all you do. Uh, again, we'd like to invite uh, everyone to... Uh, we have just started to do these podcasts via YouTube, and we're, we're excited about the possibilities. Uh, if you would like to subscribe to our YouTube channel, you can do that. You can also hear the audio version of these same podcasts at faithfulandtrue.com, iHeartRadio, and iTunes, I believe also on Apple. Where, wherever you find your podcasts, you can find the Faithful and True podcast. Uh, thanks again for joining us. Next time that we'll be back, uh, we'll have some more of our, uh, we're tapping into the expertise of our staff. And so we're excited to have some of our other uh, fellow staff members come on the podcast to share their experience. So we're looking forward to that. Until then, we hope that this coming week for you will be a week that's filled with many blessings and great vision. 